God has done some incredible things to our church in 2018. And Friday night, we celebrated in a big way. And you know, the truth is, we support over, well over 100 different missionaries and organizations every year. In fact, you have a sheet of paper. Please, look at that sheet of paper and look at all the different missionaries and all the different places we are around the world. You know, we are better together, amen? And that's why we partner with our missionaries. And so we're in Latin America, we're in Asia, we're in Europe, we're in North America. We are all over the world doing the work of the kingdom. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we do it with our missionaries. And so every year we celebrate what God has done in the past year. And every year we look forward to what God wants to do through our church at Bethlehem Assembly of God. You know, the mission very much is possible. And so this morning, we actually have some of our missionaries. Now, I want you to know that most of our missionaries are not here, and that's a good thing. The reason why they're not here is because they're on the field. And most of them, they actually have an itineration where they go on the field for about four years, and then they come off for uh, actually four years, uh, for a year, and they are on furlough, and they go back to the churches that they are supported by, and they share what God is doing around the world. And so most of our foreign missionaries are right where they belong, overseas. And so they actually uh, so often come, uh, and we are basically, you know, kind of looking at all the different missionaries that we have uh, all through the year, praying for them, supporting them, and making sure that they have what they need from us. And so, you know, the Bible tells us that we are to go into all the world. The Bible tells us when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we will be his witnesses first in Jerusalem. How many know that mission starts with the heart? Missions. Everybody say with me, mission starts with the heart. But then it goes to our neighborhoods and our communities. Missions also starts at home. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we want to share with you just a couple of things that God is doing, and we want to introduce to you some of our home missionaries, those that are doing work here in the United States. You know, our world has become very complicated, and how missionaries operated years ago may not work as the missionaries today are facing different things, different uh, challenges. And so we have missionaries that are doing so many different things that are just amazing as we are connecting them with the world and connecting them with our church. And so I want you to know that because mission starts at home, I want to ask Pastor Franklin to come because we've got exciting news. Now, I left you a message on your phone. How many of you got that message, all right? I left a message on your phone that we've got a big announcement that we want to share with you. You know, about a year ago, we began praying and working in Rosedale, just a town over. That's our Samaria, Judea Samaria. That's a Samaria. It's right next door to, to our home church. And so about a year, we begin praying and seeking the Lord. And about six months ago, Pastor Franklin, with a missions team, started working in Rosedale. 
Uh, and we started reaching people through the schools, the public schools. And boy, boy, I got to tell you, the principals love Pastor Franklin. When he walks into the school, they just, they smile and they're so thankful for what he's doing. And so they actually invite people, hundreds of people to come to our events on Saturday mornings so that we can reach them with the love of God. And so, you know, we'll do some really great things and we'll give inspiring messages and then we'll invite them to come to a church service that we have in the evening at that same school. But we, I want you to know today, great announcement, we have found a building in Rosedale. Come on, somebody say amen. So we have secured a lease for two years in this building. It's a wonderful, beautiful building. It's actually, it used to be a synagogue. And so they have a sanctuary in there. They've got a children's room to die for. It's amazing. And uh, we get to use it. And so, Franklin, tell, tell the church what God is doing in Rosedale. Well, first and foremost, we want to thank you for just praying for us, for giving, for just coming alongside the church and believing that God has a plan for Rosedale. How many of you know that God has a plan for Rosedale? Let me see your hands. Man, we are so fired up about what God is doing. I have to tell you, we've done landscaping in Rosedale. We've had daddy take their kids to school event where we come and partner with the dads and coach them on how to educate their children spiritually. Come on, somebody. That is filling the gap. That is bridging the gap between the church and the world. Come on, somebody. So we've been doing so many different things in Rosedale. Fast forward to 2019 now. Actually, on Sunday, we had an event at 6 p.m., our second preview service. We had 250 people out of those 250, there were 100 people that came from the community. About 40 children and about 60 adults. And we had an incredible event. And I have to tell you, the God is working in Rosedale. Now, fast forward in March, we're going to have an event on March 3rd. We want to invite you at 11 a.m. We're going to meet in the building, 247-11. And we're actually going to go and pray for the community. We're going to drop off a flyer. We're going to introduce ourselves. We're going to let the community know that we exist to love them and to love them through God. Amen. So if you live in Rosedale or in the surrounding areas of Rosedale, we would like to invite you to come and bridge the gap. Come and show a smile to a, uh, to a neighbor. Come and introduce yourself and let them know that God loves them with an everlasting love. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start on March the 3rd and a whole bunch of you are going to go out there. We've already been in the community. Make We've made a lot of connections, but now we want to let them know we're coming to Rosedale, officially launching on March the 31st. And we're going to be having four services, one, one church, multiple locations. And so it's one church, not a different church. It's one church. And so I'm going to do two services here. I'm going to get on my motorcycle, and I'm going to go over to Rosedale, do a service there, and then I'm going to come back here for the third service here or the fourth service for the day. It's going to be exciting what God is doing in Rosedale. Man, I has not seen nor ears heard nor has it entered into the heart of man. What God is preparing for those who love him. Amen. So let's give it up for Rosedale and all that God is doing. I'm going to ask some of the other guys to come that are working in our communities and what God is doing through our communities. And so if I could have some of the other missionaries come from the United States, U.S., they call them U.S. missionaries, amen, and ministries, missionaries and ministries, amen. Some of these folks are ministries, and some of them are missionaries. And John has a ministry called Youth Mentoring. And John, tell us a little bit about what you do at Youth Mentoring. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, the mission of Long Island Youth Mentoring is to assist you in being effective to be a missionary to a mission field of one. Mm. 
Rick, Winky Pat, Pratt said that um, a missionary is not one who crosses the seas, but one who has seen the cross. And until you are called to the foreign mission field, this is your mission field, Long Island, and you are a missionary. And what we do is we help you be matched one-on-one -on -one as a mentor to a fatherless child. Um, a mother said to um, uh, Tony, Tony, come quick, come to the window. And Tony came to the window and he looks and says, there he is right there. See him? There he is right there. And Tony goes, what? I've seen that guy around the neighborhood. She goes, no, but that's your father. Mm. And so later on in the week, he was with him, his mentor. It's a Christian man who spends two hours a week with him. And he says, you know, my dad lives two blocks away and he's never even stopped into the house to see what I look like. Wow. But because that mentors in his life, Tony has another window. And it's a window that reveals Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is not walking away, but standing there with his arms open and saying, come to me. Is God calling you to spend two hours a week to change the life of one child? There's over 100 boys and girls on Long Island that have asked for a Christian mentor and are waiting. We have mothers and grandmothers calling up our office saying, when am I going to get a mentor? Mm. You can answer that question today. I'm going to be right up front at the end of the service to fill this out. And if you fill it out, all it means is we're going to call you in, in one to two days, and we'll invite you to an orientation. And it's after the orientation that we decide and you decide whether this is a call on your life. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you. John Steigerwall is a good friend of our church, and uh, several years ago, John Steigerwall actually went to the island of Jamaica, and he had a heart to reach uh, people that have life-controlling issues, and we started a teen challenge. Fast forward, he now is back in the States, and he started a teen challenge for adolescents, and he's going to come and tell us a little bit about what God's doing through that ministry. Thank you, John. Thank you, Pastor Steve. It's so good to be back here at Bethlehem. Hey, in Malachi 4, 6, it says what? God's going to turn the hearts of fathers towards their sons and sons towards their father. We just heard a wonderful testimony. It breaks my heart when I heard John talk about that. Just the great need in our communities for fathers to father young men and young ladies. Breaks my heart. Well, God called my wife and I, Daryl, to North Carolina where we set up an adolescent program ages 13 to 17. It's a 15-month program. Young men are discipled. They find out who they are. They discover their identity in Christ. It's so important for identity today. There's so many things warring for the identity of our young people. And you, your church, became a foundational member of our community there. I mean, it was Pastor Steve and the missions people here that really sowed a seed that put us on the map there in Conover, North Carolina. I could share many stories with you, but I'm going to just focus on one. His name is Jaden Yuri. He came to us from Statesville, North Carolina. He was born to an Amish family. Amish. Learned a great work ethic, but you know he got caught up into pornography. And so we work with life-controlling problems, whether it be substance abuse or even pornography. He came. Our program is 15 months. He just left our, our, our academy two months ago for Fort Benning, Georgia. He was there for 33 months. Because after he completed and he graduated, he wanted to stay on as an intern. That kid just is doing amazing things. He got an airborne ranger classification 
And that's where he is in Fort Benning now. And as a 17-year-old boy, his life is transformed because of your partnership, this church's partnership, helping us be able to transform lives. And uh, we just want to say thank you, Pastor Steve, for your incredible generosity. We've known each other over 30 years, Bible school, Christ of the Nation, Stony Brook. It's amazing how God keeps relationships going. And I so appreciate you and your congregation here. Amen. Thank you very thank much you, for your kindness and generosity. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. As we invest in the lives of young men so that they can invest in the lives of others. Hey, we had 1 John, we had 2 John, and we have 3 John's going to come up now. And uh, 3 John's going to tell us how he is working amongst the high schools in our great state. Come on up. Give John a big hand. Thank you, John. God bless you. Well, we have the privilege of uh, leading a ministry called Youth Alive. Youth Alive is all about activating our teenagers on a movement uh, to reach their peers in their schools, middle schools, junior highs, high schools. Um, we've had some great success getting started, two and a half years. Bethlehem's been with us all the way. Thank you. Uh, we've been uh, serving the state of New York. Uh, one of your former pastors, Jared Berry. Pastor Jared is uh, my uh, counterpart, uh, teammate up in Syracuse as we serve the whole state of New York um, as a, a youth department. But also, we get to cross denominations and, and impact schools. I'll tell you a quick story and let Katie tell you a story as well. Uh, some students down in uh, Binghamton uh, High School, uh, we had sat down, trained them. The youth pastor said, hey, give them some campus ministry training. I said, okay, let's do it. We walked through the, how do you be a teenage uh, club uh, in the high school and reach the school for Jesus in a public school? You know, that's something that is, uh, it's particularly uh, training sensitive sometimes. So we, we walked through it. We came back just a couple months ago. I got to see these, girl, these girls in action serving in their school. Um, five girls from four different churches teaming up. You could see the fire of the Holy Spirit in them. And, and they're, they're doing something incredible. They started by taking the gum off the risers in the gym as a project. So who wants to do that? Hey, let's give them a hand for that. Why not? Amen. They're on a mission, and they want to see their peers come to know Jesus. Katie's got a story. So we serve students all over New York, and it's amazing to see these young people taking initiative in their own environments. A young man came to us just this morning after a service and said, I want to do more. I want to reach my school, the gospel. This is a young person who has a vision already. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your giving, which makes the mission of reaching every student in every school possible. We come in with school assemblies following uh, the, the ministry of those clubs. We come in and make a big splash for hope in those public schools. And uh, we get a chance to share Jesus in the evening when the school lets us come in and share the gospel as a community. Uh, and uh, be praying for us in our third year here. We want to see a movement in every school in New York. Amen. 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 Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Diane Lloyd and Bobby Lloyd and Bobby Lloyd Jr., they have a ministry. You know, our world has become so complex, and we live in a high-tech world, and technology can work for us or against us, and we need people on the front line changing things really right from Albany down to help uh, make it a safer community for all of us. Let's give it up for LICCV. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Well, good morning. 
and we thank you so much. Yes, we've been, we celebrated last year 25 years protecting men, women, and children in the sexualized culture uh, and pornography in the digital age. Just wanted a few quick updates for you guys in 25 years. We do have our book table downstairs. Stop by and see what you have done for the past 25 years. One of the first things that we were able to do was to pass the child pornography law. Possession of child pornography was not illegal in New York when we opened up. You couldn't make it, you couldn't sell it, but you could possess all you want. And so it became a felony there. Bobby worked with uh, Senator Owen Johnson that helped push that through. Then we went on to um, 42nd Street. How many of you remember 42nd Street the way that it used to be? Well, Bobby and LICCV met with Mayor Giuliani and his town council several times, shared with them the things that they could do to clean up 42nd Street, and they closed down 129 sex shops on 42nd Street. We just continued to move on. We work, we work with the, the political law enforcement. We work with the crisis intervention for men. Pornography has been mentioned a couple of times now, you know, in just in this service. And so we work with families. We have crisis intervention. And in fact, I told Pastor Steve, I just realized we were building a building for 16 years, believe it or not, many different things standing in our way. And um, Valley Stream adopted, we had an adoptive room event and the, you guys adopted our family crisis um, intervention, like, like interview room. Instead of interviewing them in a, a, in a desk, behind a desk and things, we created a comfortable place where we could work, oftentimes we work with families that have been impacted by pornography and the sexualized culture. So we just finished that this week. I did take a picture, it's not on my phone, but I'll send it to you. So um, those are one of the things we did, and I just wanted to share a, a quick story of what some of the things that we do now. Recently, we had a, a man in a church that approached us and said that uh, he's a single dad. Uh, there's many single dads and single grand, you know, grandparents bringing up their children, and he's not computer illiterate, and he had a 13-year-old daughter who someone gave her an iPhone, and, and he realized that she was accessing things she shouldn't be to, to have, so she took the phone, she gave it to us, we gave it to one of our techies, they, they um, you know, programmed it so that she would be safe on the phone, and um, she has an accountability partner now, and, and she's been uh, working, doing really, really fine. We also get notified if she goes anywhere, and the only thing she does is change her wallpaper right now. So at any rate, um, I'll give it to Daniel, our middle son, and um, he'll take you into the digital world. Good afternoon. How many agree we do live in a digital age, correct? And as, though it's a beautiful thing, we have a lot of access to information and resources and it really makes our lives more convenient, we all know that the enemy can use anything to kill, steal, and destroy, correct? And one of those things he's using is the digital device, um, sadly. In 2018, 99% of the consumption to pornography was on our digital devices. And this is a huge thing that's um, destroying our families and really children. Um, there's a, a statistic that says that 70% of children from the ages of 5 to 17 years old first accidentally view pornography as early as 5 because of the, um, the phones and the access to it while doing homework. And this is something that we're working with schools on. We partner with Suffolk County Community College. We work with a lot of high schools. And the topic is, and this is a huge thing for everyone, not just 5-year-olds, are we digitally dependent or socially connected? 
And it's a huge balance that we really have to try to figure out because what happens is, specifically with pornography and other issues, it's that we're on our phones for other things, and that's when the temptation comes. And it's happening to a lot of men that have never struggled with this issue before. I'm 32 years old. A lot of my peers are saying, how can we really fix this? And this is what we're doing in the building that we're moving into. So thank you, Bethlehem and Pastor Steve, because it's going to give us an intimate place to work with families and pray for us as we're working on legislation. We just passed in 2018 that revenge porn is now actually illegal. It wasn't illegal up until last year in Suffolk County. We're working to pass it in Nassau County, and now we're working to pass it in the state. So pray for us, and thank you. Come down in, uh, to the gym and visit our table. We have a giveaway. This is a screen time break bucket. It was initiated by a grandmother who stands at the door on Sunday dinner, Saucy Sunday, and she collects all the, the cell phones and smartphones and iPads and until they go home. And so this is a, a good teaching. There's instructions in here, all different kinds of tips that you can start teaching your children for as little as a toddler all the way up to high school, and people who visit your home, what they know the, 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 the boundaries and protocols are for cell phone use. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Let's give it up for them. So seven plus years ago, we decided as a church that we were going to make a difference in transforming communities, and God gave us a plan. It was called Hope Day. And since the inception of Hope Day, we have worked with hundreds of churches, thousands of people. We have served with the love of Christ 75,000 people, and God is doing great things. And this year, we're going to see God do some wonderful things, and our goal is to hit over 100,000 people served with the love of Christ. Mike Teramina is my assistant for Hope Day. Hey, Mike, what is God doing through Hope Day? Come on, give it up for Mike. What God is doing for Hope Day is just totally mind-blowing. Trying to wrap my head around what God is doing, I had to give that up and put that away. Just follow his lead and then take, take the lead also that the men of God that he's put in my path to reach our communities for Jesus. And that's Pastor Steve, along with all the men and women of Bethlehem Assembly of God. If you have been part of Hope Day, please stand up. Whether you prayed, you gave, you volunteered more that red t-shirt, please stand up right now because you're a missionary too. And let's give them praise also, right? Thank God for you. Because we started here one, with one site eight years ago. We're looking at, Pastor Steve, 30 Hope Day sites this year. 30 Hope Day sites on June 1st. That's right here in Hendrickson Park, to the east end out of Greenport, okay? Going to New Jersey, to Phillipsburg, down to Millville, upstate to Utica. And then last week we had the honor and privilege of being in Warwick, I said it right, Rhode Island, where they're going to go to Oakland Beach, and, and they're going to partner with us to bring Jesus to their community through Hope Day. It's been amazing. Amen. Thank you, Mike. God bless you. you. Amen. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. I just want to quickly share, and I'm not going to be long today, I promise you, but I'm going to quickly share something. Bow your heads with me, would you please, and let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we thank you today for all the things that you've already done. God, we know that the mission seems almost impossible, but God, help us to understand that all things are possible with you, Lord. Bless us today, Lord, as we respond to what you're calling us to do again as a church. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Amen. Matthew chapter 19, verse 23 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that, that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom 
of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's actually easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? And the truth is, we all know that there are people in this world that are very hard to reach. There's people that are not religious. There are people that are de-churched. They don't want to have anything to do with church. There are people that are atheists. There are people that are agnostic. There are people that embrace a different religion that, that actually, uh, they're, they're repulsed by the gospel. They, they can't understand why God would have to send his son into the world. And as a result, there are people all over the world that it seems to be so hard to reach. But I want you to notice what Jesus says to his disciples. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Wow. And so this week, I want to be honest with you, as I was preparing for the sermon, and I was really praying, I said, God, I want you to do something in my heart, God. Do a work in my own life, God. Because so often I can get so busy with being a pastor and doing so many things. I can be so busy as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, that I forget the mission. I can get so overwhelmed with the task that is right before me that I forget what the mission really is. Sometimes we can get so comfortable in what we're doing already that we forget the mission. And I want you to know that God really spoke to my heart this week. And I'm just praying, I want you to pray for me, your pastor, that I would never, ever lose a passion for lost people. That I would never lose a passion to reach out to people that are far from Christ. That I would never lose a passion to make sure that our missionaries, our partners in missions will always have what they need. That they will be blessed. We will honor them. We will support them. We will supply what they need so that they can take the gospel to the ends of the world. Listen, the mission is still the same. God never changed his mind. There's no other option. You know, I understand that some of us feel like, well, maybe this mission to take the gospel throughout the whole world is just never going to happen. So maybe we should just change our mind. But God never changes his mind. There's no option B when it comes to people hearing about the gospel. If we don't tell them, they won't hear. If we don't go, they won't hear. If we don't work together as a missionary church with our missionaries, they won't hear. God's strategy, God's plan, God's season for what God wants to do has never changed. Every believer reaching everyone that they can with the gospel. Why? Because the good news is still the answer for this world. We've got to believe that with all of our heart. That every day you wake up and you go to work, the good news is still the answer for the people that work in your building, the people that work right next door to you, the people that live right next door to you. Why? Because there's only one way that a person can know Christ. There's only one way that God, can, that, that, that a person can know God. There's only one way that a person can get to, to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man goes to the Father but through me. That is staggering. That is mind-blowing. And that's why in 2018, 
we have given ourselves to, to the work of missions. And if, if you look on that sheet of paper, you will see all the missionaries and all the organizations that we support all through the year because we believe that the gospel is still the answer. We've been involved in building churches in communist Cuba. In fact, in, in, in May, I'm traveling back to Cuba to dedicate two of the churches that we already built. Come on, somebody say amen. Wow. And we're helping build teen challenge centers, and we're helping build orphanages, and we're helping to support ministries all over the world, everywhere we go. We're getting ready to launch our faith community in Rosedale. We've launched over 88 Hope Day sites in the last seven years, and we're getting ready to launch 30-plus sites, 25,000 people we're going to reach with the love of Jesus this year through, through Hope Day. And this year, we gave over $612,000 to missions. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. Over the last 25 years, $14 million we've given away to build his church. You know, and I want to be honest with you. Sometimes I think, wow, God, we need the funds to be able to expand our church. You know, we're going into a building program. But you know what? I, I want to tell you right here and right now that missions comes first before anything else. That, that God is going to take care of our building and God's going to take care of our needs because when we take care of God's world, God will always take care of our world. Somebody say amen. You seek first God's kingdom and God will give you what you need. And so we need to always make sure that we keep missions in the forefront of everything that we do as a church. The truth is the mission seems almost impossible. You know, when I think about all the people that are in this world, there are 7.2 billion people on this planet. And many of them are lost people. There are 2.3 billion people who call themselves a Christian. And that, that's a wide category. And so there are 7.2 people on the face of this earth, and 2.3 call themselves Christians. 1.7 billion are Muslim. 1.1 are Hindu. Nine, 979 million are non-religious, 488 million are Buddhist, 671 million are ethnic religions and Chinese religions, 103 million are unknown. We don't even know what they believe. Of the 7.3 billion people in this world, 3 billion live among unreached people groups. There are 6,510 different languages in this world. Out of the 6,000 plus languages, there's only 2,000 in which they have in their, in their language, the Bible. And so there are almost 4,000 languages that have either a small part of the Bible or no part of the Bible at all. That's why Last year, we decided that we were going to partner with this ministry called Illuminations. How many, of you, how many of you know Hobby Lobby? How many of you know of Hobby Lobby? It's a really cool store. You need to go and visit it sometime. It is awesome. You walk in there, and there's scriptures everywhere. They're a Christian organization. In fact, the owners of Hobby Lobby, they're a $4 billion organization. They're Assemblies of God Christians who love God. And two of their sons are doing great things around the world. One of their sons, Mark Green, is becoming a friend of mine. He actually uh, is a very wealthy man, and yet he has a passion to see that all of the languages around the world have a Bible in their language. 
And so he gathers together with a group of business people from around the country, and they gather at Dallas International Airport, and they sit and pray together and strategize how they can actually translate all of the scripture in all of the languages in the world. And so they got together with these translation companies, the Seed Company, Wycliffe, and all these different organizations, and they have put together a strategy by which they believe with all their heart by the year 2000. 2030, most of those languages will be translated. That's powerful. In all the years that we have seen the church, the Bible says, and this gospel will be preached to the whole world, then the end will come. Friend, we're on the doorstep to the end. And so last year, we decided as a church that we were going to adopt a language ourselves. It cost a million dollars to translate one Bible in one language. You say, why so much money? Because you actually have to send the translator over to that land. He's got to get acclimated. They've got to get acclimated. Once they get acclimated, they've got to learn the language. After they learn the language, they've got to actually write the language and then teach the people that know that language, that speak that language, how to read that language. It is a very difficult situation, but it is not an undaunted task. It can be done. Why? Because we serve a great God who does the impossible. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. And so we adopted an ethnic language in Turkey. And why in Turkey? Because God showed us that actually the church started in Turkey. And so now we've got to go back to that place and bring the gospel back. And so I, I'll never forget last year when we took a special offering and you guys gave to that offering $35 a scripture. And I said to some of you, who will, who will buy John 3.16? And some of you said, man, that's a great deal. John 3.16 for $35. That's awesome, right? And so you put together your money, and we put together our money together, and we made a great offering, a great start. And now we're gathering churches together that will come alongside and help us to translate this language in Turkey. It's been a wonderful thing. But I'll never forget this woman who came to my office. She said, Pastor Steve, I'm from Romania. And if you know anything about history, the Romanians and the Turkish people don't get along with one another. In fact, the people of Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, persecuted the Romanians greatly. She said, but you know what? I believe that God is a loving, compassionate, forgiving God. I'm from Romania, and I got an inheritance, and I want to tithe on my inheritance. And she wrote out a check for $20,000 to help us to translate the Bible in Turkey. Come on, somebody. God can do the impossible. He can use us to do the impossible. Somebody say amen. You know, there's some really great statistics that are happening as well. Did you know that in A.D. 100, there were 365 people for every believer? Now there's only 7.3 people for every believer. That's shrunk down the number. 22 million internationals visit the United States every year. Of these, 630,000 of them are in our universities. They're coming to America and we need, that's why we love our high school ministries that we're supporting and Chi Alpha ministries, our college ministries. Why? Because students are coming to America for places, countries that are close to the gospel. And when they come, we need to be ready to share the gospel with them so that we can send them back to their countries where they'll be accepted so that they can bring the gospel back to their country. Somebody say amen. God is doing something great. God is sending them to us so that we can send them back to the world. But while the gap seems to be closing somewhat, there's still so much more work to be done. 
Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. Here's the funny thing. When you begin to pray to the Lord of the harvest, he sends you. Come on, somebody. So much to do. So many people to reach. And the truth is, it would be discouraging if we didn't know this very important truth. And Jesus says it clearly. He says, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's possible that we can see our world reached with the gospel in our lifetime. It's possible for your friends and your neighbors to know Jesus. It's possible that we can see our neighborhoods transformed by the power of God. And the truth is, while it seems like the task is so insurmountable, I believe the mission is still possible. Why? Because number one, Jesus said, listen to me, Jesus said, no matter how dark this world becomes, and did you know that you and I are both salt and light, and salt makes everything better, and light makes everything brighter. And did you know that even though the world may seem to be getting darker, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace doth more abound. The power of God is readily available in the darkest of places. Listen to me. Look at me today. I want you to know Jesus made this statement. And how many believe that when God makes a statement, when God makes a promise, even if it takes longer than we thought, God is going to come through on his promise. Let me see your hands. Jesus said, listen to me. Look at me. Jesus said, no matter how dark this world becomes, I will build my church. Come on, somebody. He said, no matter what's happening in the world, I will build my church. No matter how daunting the, the task seems to be, no matter how big, no matter how difficult it seems to be, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. But the, the truth is, the question is, will you be a part of building his church? Listen, he's going to get it done. Whether it's in this generation or the next generation or the next generation, God is going to get the job done. This gospel will be preached to the whole world. And listen, today with technology, we talk about technology. Today with technology, the, the gospel can go around the world. But the question is, will you and I be a part of what God is doing? You know, I, I want to tell you, I don't think, and, and I know this is going to be, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be offensive. But I honestly don't think for most Christians that Jesus is going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And just being honest, I think Jesus is going to look at us and he's going to say, you know what? I'm so glad that I died for you, and I'm so glad that you have eternal life, but you haven't been about my father's business. I think the truth is there's going to be some rebuking going on in heaven. Jesus is going to say, enjoy what I've given you, but you have not been you have not been generous in giving to the world. You have not been generous in sharing your faith with other people. You see, I want to hear God say to Steve Malazzo, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I gave you a task. I gave you a mission. The mission was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person that you know and you meet. So Jesus said, I'm going to build the church. The question is, are we going to be a part of the building? Number two, the spirit when the Spirit empowers the church, anything can happen. I mean, think about the day of Pentecost. Think, in fact, think before even the day of Pentecost, one man, one man who died on the cross as a common criminal. Think about it. One man 
who died on the cross as a common criminal. There was no newspapers, no media, no computers, no cell phone, no way to get the gospel around the world. One man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. He died on that cross. No one knew about it other than a few people watched him die. And yet today, he has revolutionized the world. Why? Because God can use one person, one person filled with the Holy Spirit to change the world. Now, I understand Jesus was the God-man, but doesn't the Bible tell us that now we can go into all the world and we can preach the gospel? And Jesus says, greater works will we do than he did. Now, we can't do the work of the cross, but we can take the cross to the world and do what God has called us to do. Tell them the good news. Come on, somebody say amen. The Spirit, but when the Spirit comes upon us, man, God can do anything. Think about it. On the day of Pentecost, 120 people, this one man who dies on the cross, pours his life into 12 people. Those 12 people pour their lives in 120. That 120 is filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They go from that place, and within 25 years, there's more than a million Christians that are only just staying in Jerusalem alone. Wow. See, when the Holy Spirit, when revival breaks out, God does things that we've been praying for for years. That's why we got to keep on praying for revival. That's why we got to keep on going out into the harvest field. That's why we got to keep on planting seeds because when the Holy Spirit comes, he takes that and sets it on fire. Come on, somebody say amen. A group of people, just a small group of students get together in an upper room, early 1900s, and they pray because they read in the scriptures that when the Holy Spirit comes, God will do things that we can't do in our own flesh with our own means. And they begin to pray because they read, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses all over the world, from Jerusalem all the way through and across to the ends of the earth. And they pray and the Holy Spirit comes. And this small group of Christians are empowered by the Spirit and they go out and they begin to tell others about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In 14 years, there are hundreds, thousands of Christians that are now set on fire by God. They come together and they form what's called the Assemblies of God. And today there are over 6.9 million Assemblies of God adherents here and around the world. God can do anything with just a small group of people who believe that God can do the impossible. Somebody say amen. At the turn of the 20th century, Africa was not a Christian uh, continent at all. In fact, there were very few Christians in Africa. In the Congo in 1900, there were only 1.4% Christian in, in the Congo. In Angola, 0.6. Swaziland, 1.0. Zambia, 0.3. Kenya, 0.2. Malawi, 1.8. Now it's estimated in 2000, just in 2000, 95% in Congo, 94% in, in Angola, Swaziland, 86%. Kenya, 79%. Malawi, 76%. Uganda, 88% of the country now knows or has been exposed to the gospel. You see what God can do in a short period of time when the Spirit is on it. In China, thousands of people are coming to know Christ as their Savior. 
in China, thousands and thousands of house churches and thousands of people are serving the Lord today. Did you know by the year of 2025, there will be more Chinese Christians in China than Americans in America that know Jesus Christ as their Savior? Wow. It says something about America, but it also says something about what God is doing in China. I believe the mission is still possible because history testifies that God can do the impossible. I mean, your history testifies that God can do the impossible. How many of us were far away from God and today we're serving the Lord? How many of us know somebody that was far away from God, but now they're serving the Lord? How many of us know someone who is addicted, somebody who was, who was so far that you said at times, it's impossible for this person to know Christ, but now they're serving the Lord. History bears it out. God does the impossible. I believe missions is possible because it's still all about the one. You see, we can get so overwhelmed with the task. I mean, I am. There are times when I sit, sit down and I say, God, this task is so big. And then I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit that God still goes after the one. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. It's always about the one. It's always about the one that you work with. It's always about the one that you live by. It's always, it's always about the one that you start to pray for. It's always about the one missionary that you say, you know what, I'm going to start praying. And I, I want to encourage you. There's over 100 missionaries and organizations that we support. I want you to take one missionary a day and just lift them up. Just pray for them. Just look at that list and take one and begin to pray. It's always just about the one. And it's amazing what God can do through the one. You know, I'm reminded of the story of this older gentleman. He was a writer. And he would go on the beach early in the morning. And he would, you know, get his mind clear. And he would write down things. And one day he was walking on the beach. And he saw in a distance a, a young boy. And the young boy was throwing something in the water. And as he got closer, he noticed that there were hundreds and thousands of starfish on the seashore. And as he got closer, he asked the young boy, young boy, what are you doing? And the young boy was picking up these starfishes and throwing them in the ocean. And he said, young boy, what are you doing? And the young boy said, you see, they, all these starfishes, they, they, they washed all up on the seashore. And, and, and if, if somebody doesn't throw them back in the water, it's just a couple of hours and they're going to dry up and they're going to die. And the old man started to laugh. And he started to mock the young boy. And he said, young boy, there's no way in the world that you're going to be able to take all those starfish and throw them in the water and save them. And the young boy picked up one starfish, threw it in the water, and he said, it matters for this one. And friend, it matters for the one that we can reach. It matters for the one that we can share. Because you never know with that one what God will do with that one to transform the world. The mission is possible because God always takes the little and he multiplies it. He always takes just a little bit. He uses the impossible things so that he might be glorified. And on one occasion, Jesus is preaching to 25,000 people, men, 5,000, women and children. Multiply that together, maybe 25 plus thousand people. After a little while... The Bible says they became hungry. And Jesus said to his disciples, go get them food. And his disciples says, Jesus, did you take a look at the crowd? 
The crowd is so big. There's no way in the world that we're going to be able to feed all these people. And along comes this little boy, and he's got a couple of loaves of bread and some pasta fazul. <laughs> this, George, this Friday night, we had a banquet, and somebody made pasta fazul. And here's what happened. I came to realize this is no longer an Italian church. They went right by the pasta fazul and they went for the curry goat and the jerk chicken. <laughs> and the arroz con pollo. And the Bible says that that young boy was challenged. And he brought his little, he brought his little to Jesus. And Jesus took his little and multiplied it and fed the 25,000. That is amazing. See, you might think that you don't have what it takes. You might think, man, compared to the need of this world, what's my little offering that I can give? What's my little talent that I can supply? God takes your little talent and he multiplies it. Just like on Hope Day, he takes your little talent and he multiplies it to touch 75,000 people. God still multiplies the mission is possible because God, he uses ordinary people just like you and I. He's not looking for superstars. In fact, I know a lot of the missionaries, they say, Pastor Steve, please don't call us your hero or superstars. We're just human beings. And the truth is, God always uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. I'm not calling our missionaries foolish. I'm just telling you, they're ordinary people just like you and I. But you know what? It's just like a snowflake. One snowflake can't make a difference. But if you put a whole lot of snowflakes together, boy, oh boy, you can create a blizzard. Let's create a blizzard of God's blessing upon this world. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. Now, I want to introduce to you as I close, as the worship team comes, as I close to you, I want to introduce to you just a slice, a very small slice of the missionaries that are here with us today. See, a lot of them are on the field and a lot of them are at services this morning trying to get more support. And I tell them, listen, go to those services because you already got our support. In fact, this Friday, I met a young man. His name is Zach. I never met him before. He made an appointment with my secretary to sit down with me and Zach came into my office, and I tell you, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I was busy that day. It's Missions Day. But he, Zach, is a missionary with this organization called Live Dead. Live Dead is an organization that teaches young people that they're already dead to the world. And even if they give their life for Christ, they're going straight to heaven. And so Live Dead challenges young people to go into the hard places of this world. And so many of these young men and women are going to places that are really dangerous, places that they can't even tell you exactly where they're going to go. Zach comes to sit in my office. It was 30 seconds after Zach began to speak, the Holy Spirit said, you support this young man because he's going to a place in northern Africa that's really dangerous, and he's going there to supply the gospel to these people. And I said, God, give me the honor and the privilege to support this man as he goes into this land. I want you to know that's the kind of missionaries we have that have a passion for people that are bold and they're willing to go down into the pit. Listen, 
They're willing to go down into the pit, but somebody's got to hold the ropes as they go down into the pit. I want to introduce you to some of these wonderful, amazing missionaries that are here. Would the foreign missionaries come right now? And we're just going to introduce you to them, you're gonna, and you're going to hear some incredible things through them, and then we're going to close. So if the worship team can come, it gives the people hope that we're actually going to finish. <laughs> this is my, my brother and friend, Anthony, Anthony Richard from Jamaica, man. Yeah, man. Anthony, are you going to try the pasta fazul? No, sir. No? Then I'm not eating jerk chicken. John, come on up here. John Steigerwall. I want to tell you this story. This is an amazing story. Amazing story. John Steigerwall is a longtime friend. We went to Bible college together. He's a lot older than me, but we went to Bible college together. I'm just kidding. And, 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 and John was on vacation in Jamaica, the island of Jamaica. He went there with his family. And when he went there, he saw people that were on drugs. And he said, God, who's going to help these people? And the Holy Spirit said to John, you're going to help them. And he brought his family over to Kingston, Jamaica. And they ministered there. And he called me. And we started to partner together. And he said, Steve, can you help me build a teen challenge center? So we, we sent teams there. And we sent finances there. And we sent leaders there. And we built a building there along with other churches. And today there are two centers in, 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 in Jamaica. One in Ocho Rios and one right outside of Ocho Rios. And they're talking about other centers in Kingston and, and that in Montego Bay. And it started with John who went to Teen Challenge, he gave of himself, and we supported him. And while he was there, we met Anthony Richards. Anthony Richards was a drug addict. He was in the program. Little did he know, little did anyone else know, that God was going to raise him up, and one day he would become the executive director of Teen Challenge in Jamaica. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. It's indeed an honor to stand before you and to use this opportunity to say thank you, Bethlehem and Pastor Steve, for supporting the Teen Challenge Jamaica um, vision for the last 21 years. About 20 years ago, as Pastor Steve said, I was an ordinary, beat-up drug addict mm. that walked into the Teen Challenge program. But today, I stand before you a testimony of God's grace that... I am now a lover of God and a man transformed into the image of Jesus. So thank you for giving to Teen Challenge. Thank you. Today we have a men's program, as Pastor Steve says, and a women's program. And lives are being transformed into the image of Christ. We have about five islands in the Caribbean sending students to us. And we are continuing the work to see men who are hopeless find hope through our loving God. So thank you for your support, and Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Pastor Fazul, remember. Come. This is my dear brother who is actually in a part of the world that we can't even tell you exactly where he is because it's so sensitive. Come and tell us a little bit about what God's doing. All right, thank you, Pastor, for uh, having me and my wife here again. Now, you know, when the last time I was here at Bethlehem, I was a poor, lonely, single man. <laughs> well, thank you, seeing right now, I'm no longer 
poor or lonely or single. See, if you're single, become a missionary. That's all I have to say. So, um, my name's Darren, and this is my wife, Maggie. We've been married about, just about a year and a half, not quite, but we're getting there. And uh, the part of the world we, we're, we're in, we're over in Asia. Can't tell you exactly where it is because it is very sensitive, but it's somewhere west of Hawaii, east of the Ukraine, north of Australia, and south of Antarctica. I mean, the Arctic, the Arctic. So um, one of the things that we're doing um, is learning how to, or how to get the local mature Christians who are in this in the area of the world off into the world missions. You see, as Pastor mentioned, there are a number of believers who are rising up across all of Asia, and they're maturing, and starting to hear from the Lord that you need to take your place in world missions. He says, go Amen. from um, Jerusalem, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and, and I'll be with you. Know, you know the word. You know the, the verse. I'm, I'm speaking fast and getting my, my thoughts a little jumbled up. So let me slow down. And um, as, But a part of that is that unlike us who have these great denominational structures to get people onto the mission field, they do not. And so if someone comes up to their pastor and says, Pastor, I feel like God's called me to go to this particular country to serve. And the pastor kind of says, God bless you, on your way. He's like, what do you mean on my way? Well, I don't know what to do. So if you can imagine if you had to go somewhere where you didn't know anybody, didn't know anything, didn't know the language, and say, okay, just go there and survive. Maybe you could survive. Maybe you couldn't. So what we're trying to do is come up with some kind of structures in place to help identify who these people are mentor them, equip them, prepare them, and find a way to fund them to go and be, take their place in those stage of world missions. Because there are certain places in the world where we as Americans aren't particularly welcome. You know, certain places like, you know, usually Indonesian, uh, Tajikistan, uh, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, uh, Pakistan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They, they come over there, we come over there and they kind of say, okay, there's only two kinds of Americans that come here. The CIA and missionaries. And for some of us, they can look at us and say, looking at your body, you're not CIA. <laughs> okay, so, but for them, they're very welcome. It's like, oh, you're from where? Really? Here, come, sit down, have some tea with us. Tell me about you. Tell me about your culture. And so they have a very open, wide, open door for ministry in those areas. I mean, we're not so welcome uh, to be in. And, you know, in certain parts of the world, they also believe that the gospel is a Western gospel. But the gospel is for all mankind. And when they start seeing people from all over the world coming with the same message of Jesus Christ, that opens up eyes, that opens up hearts. Thank you for your support. Um, thank you for all that you've done, uh, done for us. And thank you, Pastor, thank for you, being staying with us for all these years. Thank you, Darren. God bless you. Nice to meet you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. These are our newest missionaries as of this morning. As of this morning. Tell us a little bit of what you do, and tell us your name, because I'm, I'm going to mess it up. Go ahead. My name is Arhanes Matos. Arhanes. I was going to mess that up. I knew it. So. And Andrea, tell us a little bit about what God's doing. Well, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to Pastor Steve, um, your passion towards uh, missions. Um, just sitting there for three services, I just see your passion uh, oozing out, and for some oozing out towards mission, and right there, I just feel like... I feel like I have to give towards a mission. Then I have to remind myself, I am a missionary. I can't give to myself. But um, you, you guys have a blessed pastor. And the country that we'll be serving is a beautiful country in Africa called Mozambique. And a little bit of statistics about that country is 75% of the population of those people are either 30 years old or younger. 
And when I first researched, I, it really startled me. I, saw, I thought, wow, is it almost like Hoboken, New Jersey, or I work in uh, Soho and, and New York where there's a lot of young people, and I could just imagine that area. And through further research, you fi I find that the average age expectancy is up to 55 years old. And I was like, wow, that, that, really, that really does hurt. A uh, really poor nation, uh, economically not doing so well, but the power of God he's able to restore. And we're believing through, uh, through the power of Jesus Christ, he could turn that nation around. Um, and that's the beauty about Chi Alpha, is that the mass population are young people. And because of, of the way we relate to them through our program and through our discipleship, we're able to reach out to the vast majority and I'm just, and my my wife would like to share a, a, a beautiful testimony about the Chi Alpha program. Amen. Good afternoon, church. So we have the greatest honor working in Chi Alpha Ministries. About five years ago, the opportunity to um, preach and proclaim the gospel in Chi Alpha Ministry or college campuses, it wasn't known. Um, so it started with one college campus. Now we're in over 30 college campuses in Mozambique, Africa, for the glory of God. And I want to share just one testimony through this ministry, Chi Alpha. There's a young girl named Shaluba who came through this ministry. And she was heavily involved with witchcraft. As some of you may know, witchcraft is a very big thing in Mozambique, Africa. And so she was heavily involved with um, um, witchcraft since she was born. She went to witch doctors, and that's all she knew. As she grew older, um, she just faced depression, and there was just a lot of oppression around her. So she wanted to commit suicide, and she attempted many times, but she never had um, the courage to do it. So one day she went to her university and just to go to class, and one person from a Chi Alpha ministry came up to her and said, hey, would you come join us for a Bible study? And the person, what the person didn't know is that she's struggling through depression and, and suicide. So Shuluva said, you know what, what else do I have to lose? I have nothing else to give, right? So she went and gave it a shot. She went to the, um, uh, the Chi Alpha ministry. She heard everything about this man named Jesus and what he did for us. And he, she gave her heart to Christ that day. But she went back home and she was still surrounded by all the things that, she, that surrounds her. And she was going to commit suicide one more time. So with a gun to her mouth, she was about to pull the trigger. She heard the audible voice of God that said, don't do it. And she didn't do it. And she went back to that Chi Alpha ministry. She rededicated her heart to Christ. And the most beautiful part of the story is that now she's the one going out to college campuses and saying, hey, let me tell you about this man named Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Let's give it up for our missionaries. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. This, this is the most sacred moment of the year. There's nothing more important to God than this moment where we as a church again make a renewed commitment that we're going to support missionaries and we're going to be on the front line doing missions outreach work here and around the world and so here's what I'm going to ask you to do every year my wife and I we make a financial commitment to give the missions and we give monthly, and we say, you know what, with the help of God, we, we're going to give X amount of dollars. Some of you can give 1000 Some of you can give 10000 over the year. And each week, no matter who you are, whether it's $100, whether it's $10 a week, and everyone, even the young people in here, 
We all need to make a commitment. What would you do if you knew somebody was dying? You'd do anything it took. And God's asking us to do something today. So let's all join together. And I'm going to pray. In a moment, Pastor Tony is going to come and he's going to help us to understand how we can even start giving online. But you have a form with you that you were given when you walked in. On that form, there's a pledge sheet. You could tear it up. And you can take that pledge sheet, and you're going to bring it here to the front. Not only pledges, but this, this evening or this afternoon, we're going to encourage you to give a, a, a check. Make it out to Bethlehem Assembly of God or cash, whatever you can do. But let's take the greatest offering Bethlehem has ever taken before in its history. And let's take the greatest amount of pledges that we've ever given before, stretching a little bit more, believing God that the time is now to bring the gospel to the whole world. The mission is possible if we all do something together. Pastor Tony's going to come and share how we can give online real quick. And then he's going to pray. And then we're going to invite you to come. Now the ushers, if they would come and bring some baskets here, we're going to invite you to actually come forward. We're not going to come to you. We're going to ask you, ask you to come forward because this is the place of sacrifice, the altar. Bring your loving, sacrificial giving to the Lord. So I want you to pray. If you work, if you're a young person, husband, wife, make your own pledges. If you want, talk to your husband and wife together, obviously. But everyone doing something. And, and as the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, I want you to get out of your seat. We're going to have the missionaries come, and they're going to stand between the offerings as well so that you can let them know how much you love them and go into the gymnasium and find out more about their ministry. But I'm just going to ask you to just... Ask the Lord what He wants you to give before you give. Pastor Tony, tell us how we can give online as well as here this afternoon. I want to encourage you to give. Uh, you know, I, if I could be honest with you, I can tell you, um, I struggled with giving in the past because I think, well, you know, how am I going to make ends meet? I've got three kids. You know, how am I? But you know what I found? I found that God does more with not my 90% than I do with my 150 because after I go through my check, I hit my credit cards. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So I want to encourage you to give. And what I found is that Bethlehem gives us the tools to give. So what works for me is this. I go on the app. I've gone on the app, and I set up my giving right on the app. So you can set up your giving so that it comes right out of your bank account whenever you want it to. So you can do it weekly. You can do it every other week. You can do it once a month. It only takes a couple of minutes. So... When I come to church, I am no longer a fearful giver. I am a cheerful giver because I know that I am giving. So I don't actually go into my pocket when I come to church. It's already out of my account. When I get paid on payday, my tithe goes to the district. My tithe comes to the church. My missions offering goes right into the church right on payday. So I want to encourage you, use these tools. I don't even see the money. I don't feel it. It doesn't hurt anymore. Hallelujah. So I want to pray right now a prayer. So would you bow your heads with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God. Thank you that you've been so generous and that you have blessed us so greatly and so abundantly, Lord God. Father, 
In this moment, oh Lord God, we recognize that we have a responsibility, oh Lord God, to carry this gospel to the ends of the earth, oh Lord God. So Father, I pray, oh Lord God, right now, oh Lord God, that chains would be broken all over this place, oh Lord God. Father, that we would trust you, oh Lord God, with our finances and that we would, oh Lord God, commit, oh Lord God, to giving, oh Lord God, to missions. Commit, oh Lord God, to getting this message, this glorious gospel to the ends of the earth, oh Lord God. And Father, right now, I pray, oh Lord God, for all of those people in, in this place, oh Lord God, are watching via live stream, oh Lord God, who are feeling the calling to a missionary life, oh Lord God. I pray, Lord God, you give them the boldness to take steps of faith, oh Lord God, to give their lives to you, oh Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for all your all you're doing, all, you're, all you've done, and all that you're about to do. We pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So now you can bring your pledges. Please bring your pledges. Drop them off here in the baskets on your way out. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.